9-11, these people were coming from all countries from all over the world. They were landing in Canada. We didn't even have the infrastructure to check passports. And so for a while, for a lack of better terms, they detained everybody and kept them on the aircraft. They couldn't exit for hours. Then the Canadian Red Cross, they shut down the town and they got cots and sleeping bags and every gymnasium, every classroom, every church became a hotel. I also know that there were stories of just ordinary people welcoming strangers into their homes. We did. My mother-in-law, actually, she sewed quilts and sewed and sewed and sewed because we were so small and so limited with supplies. We're talking 6,000 people needed bedding products. We emptied shelves of every pharmacy and gas station and Walmart and whatever you could. And people were donating all of their products. And we did. There were space ran out. So people took strangers in and families and put them in their spare rooms. And like long before Airbnb, we were doing Airbnb. (laughs) (laughs) Always ask why. Why is this the way it is? The whole goal is to rise the industry, to grow it. Yeah, don't worry about giving us credit, guys. We're not here for that. If it grows the industry, that's what makes me happy. When you first said it, I was going to hang up. (laughs) It's not a race you want to win. Yeah, you're going to lose because it'll be too cheap. You'll be working for like McDonald's money. Otto, Mitter, on to our show from Alibana. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on board. Okay, we'll take 20. I I can't do math. I'm a beauty professional. Yeah, they panning. I do teeth whitening. I'm like, okay, there's some point where you got to draw a line. My biggest concern is longevity and making sure that you've got the best possible mechanical fit. If you're looking for a lash podcast that will challenge how you do lashes, build you up, and help you create a business that not only thrives, but allows you to live a life you're proud of, you've come to the right place. This is Lashcast, your friend in the lash industry. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Today, we're excited to have a two-time Lash Year Award winner, Sam Walters, on our podcast from the Beauty Prodigy Baseball. She actually lives up in Canada and grew up in a really small town. In fact, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that small town thing that, you know, growing up there, we're going to talk about really the challenges to find supplies and tools in the province she lives today. That's not easy. And also, also how things are really different up there as far as regulations and so forth. And then really we're excited to talk about kind of, well, this is, you say excited to talk about 9-11, but she has a special story about 9-11 from the area that she is from and what they have the only the second um, 9-11 memorial in the world. Like there's only two. There's one in San Francisco, or near San Francisco, in New York and one up where she grew up. And so she's going to talk about the town of Gander and Newfoundland and all this fun stuff and just... It's, a, it's special. It's really fun. And uh, there's a musical called Come From Away that uh, shares the story. And she's going to go into it and how it impacted her family and her community and really changed everything. So, anyway, I can't wait to get into that. But before we do all that, we're going to do some announcements. Lashcon, yes, the prices have not gone up yet, but they're going up soon. And right, I think the first week of September, our prices go up, and we now have a two-month payment plan. So I'm sorry if you missed the three-month payment plan, but at least there's still two months. You can split in two before Lashcon. Lashcon is coming up so quick, guys. It's less than two months away. We still have tickets, so go right now to the show notes and click on the link and buy your tickets and get your add-ons. If you have someone who wants to join with you but doesn't want to come to the things, they can buy a ticket for the parties. Um, If you want to get the add-on classes on Saturday morning because you're going to be there anyways, might as well take a class. Only $150 for a three-hour lecture slash demo. And then we actually won a class. You're going to build a website right there and then for you. So if you have a website for 150 bucks, you can come in and build a website. So so many opportunities. Go to the link in the show notes, click on that for the add-ons and look at those and buy those today. Get those because those sell out. Those last year almost, I think three out of four sold out. And I know a lot of people, when they show up that morning of, we're like, hey, I want to add one of the classes. And I'm like, I'm sorry, they're all sold out. So don't not... Do not, do not wait, okay, for that. And uh, yeah, we're excited, guys. So much going on, and you guys are not going to want to miss it. It is really the homecoming of lashes. I've also been heard it's the Super Bowl of lashes. We like to call it Lashcella or the Coachella of lashes. Whatever you want to call it, guys, there's so much going on this year. It's bigger and 
batter and so many different places to go. We're trying, we're calling build, not calling it, but you can build your own con this year. There's going to be demos going on. There's going to be uh, sponsor suites with their own schedules. We have all of our breakout sessions. We have a game room. We have an Instagram room. We have a lounge where you can go and hang out. We also added a nail area as well as massage area and also an LED light therapy area. And so you can come in and experience those things as well as the trade show, which has about a hundred booths and what else? Gosh, there's so much guys. It's, it's a circus. It's really a last circus and it's going to be for everyone. And it's going to be huge. And we have over 1300 people coming. I promise you if, uh, I know it's a big expense, but you will not feel like it was not worth it. Uh, I see it all the time when people get done, they, they post online like, Oh my gosh, it was super expensive, but worth every dime. I always love those posts. Those always make me very happy because I, we wish we could make it super cheap. I mean, but this place is a convention hotel. And when you see what you're going to get and where you go, you're going to go, okay, I get why it costs $900. It is, this is not just your run-of-the-mill, hey, we're going to hang out for a few hours and learn some things. There's a lot of value. There's four nights of parties, three days you get the trade show, two days of classes, and there's so much more on top of all that. So right now, go to your show notes and click on the link or go to thelastconference.com or go to our Instagram, thelastconference, or, and just get your ticket. I promise you, you will not regret it. All right, that's all for announcements. Now let's sit down with Sam and really talk about her experience in the last industry growing up in a small town in Canada. Hey, Smart Cookies, we are coming to you from the LashCast studio. So excited to interview our next guest. It is the legendary Samantha Waters from Beauty Prodigy Day Spa. She is in Canada. She's becoming a good friend. A last year award winner. A two-time last, last year, year award, award winner. winner. We're so excited to have you. I just wanted to introduce you to the audience because I think that more people should know about you and your amazing accomplishments. So welcome to the program, Sam. Oh, thank you guys so much. I'm so incredibly grateful I get to do this. I'm actually so nervous. <laughs> you're just a natural. No, you're great. And one of the things we got to know her because she took one of our classes. Was it May? I think it was May. We got to hang out. On our retention class. Our retention yeah. course. And got to learn a little bit more. We already knew about you because, of course, you've won the last year awards and we've seen you around. You've been on the radar. Yeah, you've been on our radar. But it was good to finally meet you in person and even meet and get to see how more special we're once we get to know you a little bit more. It was just really cool. She's up in Canada and not your just everyday last year. I was like here in the States. She, we've realized over time that Canadians actually have some obstacles that they have to face that we don't. But maybe we start with what, how you got in the last year, yeah, why the last know. industry, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, of course. I find that my story is a little bit relatable to like may maybe a lot of other lash artists who started eight years ago, probably in Canada, where there were no schools teaching lashes. So I did the two-day course with extreme lashes. It was watch, watch one, do one, and away you go, plug and play. Here's your career. Yeah, you're ready to <laughs> Make go. A sign, put it on the door and let the profits roll in. Yes. Absolutely. And so I had studied forensic science in university. I had studied medical administrative specialty in college. Wow. And I couldn't find a job because uniquely in the province I'm located, it's New Brunswick. So I border Maine. And in New Brunswick, it's the only bilingual province in Canada. So French and English. Oh, I thought it was Quebec. Quebec's the French province, but we're the bilingual province. It's kind of like Belgium, right? I didn't Correct. realize that. I thought they were bilingual, but they're not. Only yours is. Okay. Well, I, I, I mean, a lot of Quebecers do speak English, yes. Yeah. But we are the official bilingual province of Canada. Oh, cool. So professionally, sometimes it can be very difficult to get a job, like in a higher paying professional job, because you need to speak both official languages. And it's a requirement. And so I came from Newfoundland, Canada. That's where I'm originally from. That's where I grew up. And I moved here, went to university, went to college, didn't realize that that would be a barrier for me. So I ended up taking just an administrative job in IT. And I learned the ropes of IT and like some coding and programming. And then I went on and did a contract job at a local furniture store. And then when that was done, I was laid off and I was just having a summer with my little girl and getting lashes done. And my last tech was like, you ask way too many questions. And I would ask of them the same do. way, 10 different ways, because I wanted to know and really know what she was did. doing. Yeah, that's how your brain and works. Please just go take this damn course. I'm tired of answering your questions. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I did. And I had to learn it and navigate all those murky waters and do the hard things. So that was in, I think it was August, 2016. And then the instructor who taught me though, was an esthetician and she did go through school and taught here in New Brunswick. And so she had given me a heads up that licensing was coming. Oh, And that there was going to be some limitations happening eventually. And she said, you should really get in, contact the association. You want to be on the good side so that you can continue to do this long term. So I did. So in May of 2017, New Brunswick became one of the first provinces to license lash artistry. Is it just lashes or is it esthetician or? Is it a specific license? We have what's called the Cosmetology Association of New Brunswick. They started with hair and then they built and now there's aesthetics. There's a depilatory like mm-hmm. hair removal license. Oh, really? Different licenses. Okay. So oh, it's okay. really niche Yep. Seems like they have a lot of control and a vested interest in protecting the public and Correct. making sure people are equipped. So is there a last one or is that just blank? Yeah. And here was the worst part is we knew that when the license came in, they had to create something that was comprehensive. So there is a way where you can do like aesthetics and learn all, or you can, like you said, niche down. Okay. And so when they created it though, they knew that they needed to incorporate a couple of other services. So that's when we kind of had a bit of a rough patch here where I got licensed as a lash artist. But under the license, there's a scope. Mm-hmm. And within that scope, it said you could tint lashes, you could lift lashes, you could brow lamb, you could tint brows, which couldn't wax them. What? Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Because we didn't go to school to learn waxing. Okay. Uh, okay. So we had to go over this little couple of bumpy years to weed out and then offer an opportunity for people to gain other skills. So here I was with this new license with a big old list of things that it said I could do. And then people would come looking for it. But all I learned was lash extensions. Oh. <laughs> so I'm like, what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> So I remember that day and my instructor, bless her, her name is Genevieve. She taught me lashes. And that same year, the license came into effect. I went to the AGM. I started to get concerned about people asking me to tint their lashes and do things I wasn't trained to do. And I was quite frankly, nervous to do. And she introduced me to people as her prodigy. That's how my company got renamed to Beauty Prodigy. There you go. It's a thank you to her. Yeah, because we then went to the association and we said, there's this new license. It says I can do all these things. What am I going to do? And so we created an opportunity where Genevieve was able to teach me everything else in the scope privately so that I could continue to work. Wow. Now, did you have to do a test that proved that? I didn't because they also knew that when they created the license, legally, you can't take away a livelihood that's already established, yeah. especially okay. if they were creating a new license. Yeah. So everyone got grandfathered in who had learned lash extensions on a certificate prior to May 2017. So I got grandfathered in. So good. Which was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, I know that there are some specific challenges that you have to face that a lot of other lash artists, I don't know anywhere else in the world, have to face some of the challenges that uh, the government asks you to do. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about what some of those things are? Yeah. So also just, I want to burst the bubble a little bit about the misconceptions about Canada, where there were actually people in the class when I was with you guys in New York, someone had said, you know, I heard Canada's the wild west. It's wide open. Mm-hmm. There's no regulation. There's no this, there's no that. And truth be told in the most populous provinces, there aren't any, mm-hmm. there are actually only two provinces in all of Canada that even have licensing body and regulation. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So wait a minute. So maybe Toronto. It's like, wild west in Toronto. Wide open. Okay. Wide Stay open. There with British Columbia too. Cause that's why I feel like all the last artists I knew were Toronto or Vancouver. You can do whatever you want there. But so you don't have to have a license. Wait a minute. Yeah. You do correct. Not. Yes. Really? You can just I'm going to be learn doing lashes from in the Toronto. Internet, put a sign on your door and let the money roll in. Right. So <laughs> what the but don't get me wrong. I want to set the stage so that that misconception is clearing the air in that Nova Scotia, which has the capital Halifax, is regulated. Yeah. New Brunswick, which borders Maine, our capital is Fredericton. That's where I'm located 
we have regulation and it, they're actually sister associations. It's the Nova Scotia, the Cosmetology Association of Nova Scotia and the Cosmetology Association of New Brunswick. Now, that doesn't mean that necessarily somebody would pop up a shop in Vancouver or Calgary or Toronto and just open up and start lashing. Because here's the thing, there are still establishment licenses mm -hmm. and municipal laws and a lot of other things that need to be in place. So yes, yes, in a sense, sure, lash artistry is the wild west in other populated places, but that doesn't mean they don't have other channels that they need to follow. I got it. All right. So let's talk about some of the unique challenges that you face. Being in this like cold country is what I think is a big one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Brunswick, for us, it's very unique in that in order to protect the public, one of the biggest challenges we actually have right now is people moving to our province. Immigrating to. Correct. Whether you're from somewhere else in Canada or coming from another country, because we are now licensed and regulated, well, there is a prescribed amount of time, hours, models that you need when you go to a beauty school here in New Brunswick to then be eligible to write an exam and pass and get a license. But what about the people that are still out there taking those two-day, five-day, one-week mm -hmm. courses that starter classic entry course and they come to New Brunswick? Yeah. What do you do right? with them? Can they do lashes or do they have to now go enroll in school? Well... They are actually recommended to enroll in school. Oh, wow. I have a question. What about somebody who's been doing lashes for years and years and years? Like, it's for me, been would, to go would, to would I have to go to school? Would I be able to prove competency? Yes. Yeah. So they actually have what's called the licensing and examination board. That is a group from the association. And there's so many positions within the board that can review the process. But ultimately, they do review it on a case by case. And what they're looking for is they want to make sure that you didn't just only take a two day course 10 years ago, and you've done nothing to upgrade yeah. or grow your knowledge since. Interesting. Okay. They're going to look for an accumulative amount of body of work. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. So once you have the license and you want to get started there, what are some of the things that you have to do? So when you obtain your license as a practitioner, you then also have to go through the Cosmetology Association of New Brunswick and apply for a salon proprietor license. Okay. And depending on if you're in an urban or rural area, you may have to, if in your municipality, also get a business permission. And then there's the bylaws for the city, which you also have to register your business with the province. So it, it's quite a process. Yeah, so there's a lot of red tape. First, you would get a salon proprietor license and you have to apply to the association, pay the fees. But within that, there's actually even a checklist of things that you need to have. For example, you need to have separate sinks oh. from for sanitizing, okay. for sanitation. So a separate sink from, from what? the bathroom? From the bathroom? Like a separate... Absolutely. Okay. You cannot have the same sanitation area in the bathroom of which like the staff or the clients would be or where food handling is taking place. So I'm actually going through this process right now because I started my renovation for our new space. So we're going through that currently. And so you have to have basically what we've built is like, it's a kitchenette and that's ideally what you want. And it's your sanitation station. Okay. That's completely separate. So it's dedicated. Yeah. It's a dedicated system. So, so here we Correct. have, yeah. once you get your license, you do have to apply for an establishment license and it goes through all that stuff. But in California, you don't even have to have a sink in the room. It needs to be a certain number of feet from a working functioning sink. You do have to have hot and cold water that's Same. available, but it could be from a, a hot water dispenser. So I think it's great. I think it's good for the public health and, and, and public interest. So what else in terms of like, I think you mentioned to me that you have to have a certain number of parking spots. So that one is not tied to like salon. That one is more for like where you're applying, where you're located. Sometimes it can be whatever type of an establishment. And what also come down to the structure too of, of the business and like what also what you're offering, because there's some parts of our aesthetics that are under scope and there's some that aren't. It's very, very strange. So for example, like there's some that are medi considered medical. Mm -hmm. And so anything that's not our medical is not regulated by our association. But if it's medical in another area or another association or another 
spectrum and you go through that regulatory body, then you could have those requirements. I see. It, It really starts to get tangly really, really quick. So for example, at Beauty Prodigy, we offer dermaplaning. Dermaplaning is not regulated. Wow. But facials are and skincare (laughs) is. And threading is not regulated, which I teach eyebrow threading, but waxing and sugaring is regulated. It's the same here with the threading. What about extractions? Are you allowed to do extractions in a facial? Yes. Well, again, it also depends. We, for our Brazilians, actually, we Mm -hmm. can also do ingrown treatments and extract ingrown hairs. I know that there are quite a few places that can't. Yeah. By the way, let me bring this into at least focus a little bit why we're talking about this, because I think for a lot of people, when they think they just open a business, they just open the business, they start doing lashes, right? That's all you need is two day certification and then you're ready to roll. And I'm like, actually, there's a lot more. And it really varies on city, county, state, province, country. It is going to be massively different. There are some places where you really can just open up and start doing lashes, but You need to really learn. And the good news is usually most regions that you live in, there'll be checklists. You can go on Google, probably just type in the city, the state you're in, say, what things do I need to register and be? Because I know for us, we had to get our established license. She has to have her service, her own personal license. And we have to get a city license to work in the city. And we had to register with the county, with the county tax authority, because they want to get their they want year, their cut they want their yearly taxes from us and 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 the list goes on and on if you want to sell, sell do sales if, you wanna, if you're offering microblading you have to have a separate room and a separate license yeah. for that that kind of stuff so i guess i, yeah. we, I just want to cover this and, and outline that if you're listening going okay this doesn't relate to me actually probably does and if you've never yeah. done that work if you never sat down and asked well what is legal you might right now be out of compliance. And if you do this for five years and they find out like you should have been registered in your city for this or that, or if you or don't taxes, have an establishment fine. license, they can come after you and say, well, one, they can shut you down. Or they'll just say, oh, you owe us five years of back taxes for the county 100%. or for the province yeah. or region or whatever you're in. Absolutely. And here, that was what's, that's what's kind of what's been happening. So with like post COVID, I don't know, I think this happened in the United States too, where like during COVID, a lot of people moved to Florida. Yeah. Like a lot of people moved to different areas. Yeah, we're, we're, so, we're shut down forever. So in Canada, we have the cheapest housing. Oh, wow. So people came here in droves okay. through COVID and they were selling off all their houses because they were way too expensive and the taxes were too high in Ontario and Alberta yeah. and British Columbia. People just started like coming here in mass amounts. And so what happened with us is we had a big influx of flash technicians. Really? Ah. We did. And I have been mentoring and it happened by accident. This was not a part of my plan. I have been mentoring a lot of lash artists because they've moved here and they're like, they start up and they start advertising, but they don't know, they haven't networked. They don't know anybody. So you'll see ads on marketplace. And well, the Cosmetology Association of New Brunswick have people who look for those things to make sure everybody's being compliant. They find a random ad. It's somebody who's new, who didn't know there was a licensing body because they never had to deal with that before. And it's never been a thought because there is no regulatory body out anywhere west of here. So they would get a message or an email or a letter that said, hi, like we're the Cosmetology Association. You need to have a license. You need to apply. Here's the application. And we had a lot of artists who were pissed off and mad. But again, you have to think about at the end of the day, what are these regulatory bodies for? They're to keep the public safe. Yeah. And so that's one of the things to touch on what you said, Paul, that I I have to, I love to try to drive home to up and coming and new lash artists is like, do the homework. You've really got to look into the laws. You got to look into the respectful, correct, professional way to start a business. What do I need? What is the city's laws? Mm-hmm. City bylaws, they could be the craziest things and mm-hmm. you don't even realize they exist. Exactly. And so we had a huge influx of lash artists. Some eventually actually packed up and went back home oh, because like- they didn't want to go through all the hoops or maybe they actually didn't qualify because all they did have was a two-day course, didn't update or upgrade or whatever. So I've, I've mentored quite a few newcomers to the province. Well, let's talk about that, that mentoring, because in some ways I'm going to venture a guess that that mentoring is probably kind of in your DNA just because of where you came from. 
I didn't really know too much about it, where you came from, until this musical came out recently. My kids went to it. And they came back and they said, oh, mom, this this Sam's a star, right? No, no. It's called Come Away With Me. (laughs) And I'm like, what's that? And and they're like, well, after 9-11, apparently people got stranded in this one little town, this one little village. And there was no support for them. But all the villagers, all the people came out and took care of them. It was like one of the last places you could land or something like that where planes could land because all the airports were shutting down. And so this... People got, people got diverted. 11th. This is auction night after 9-11. So people got diverted to Sam's little town of how, how big was it? So the town is actually my husband's hometown, but we're both from that island. Yes, okay. Right. okay yeah. um, and so the size of the town doubled when all of the airplanes landed. <laughs> wow. So can you take us back to yeah. that and, 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 and give, like when you told me the story when I was teaching, I was like, what? Tell us the story. So, and it's so funny because when you hear and people start talking or looking back on 9-11, everyone knows where they were. Yeah. yeah. Everyone remembers where they stood the day the world stopped turning. And I remember it very vividly. I was in sixth grade. And our teacher, to me, bless him. And in hindsight, I think he did this intentionally. He actually took us outside. Hmm. And we were sitting outside and it was in the afternoon after lunch. So the Twin Towers had already been hit. And he broke the news to us that this thing had happened. But I was in the sixth grade and I knew what New York City was, but I'd never heard of the Twin Towers. But he said there was this, this mass crash and so on. So I'm in, of course, like I said, this island, Newfoundland. It is off the coast, far east. Like we're in the Atlantic. It is rock. It's rugged. It's very much like Iceland and Ireland. It's foggy, rainy, cold. Yes. And my husband is from Gander, Newfoundland. And so this musical is built around the town Gander. And the day that 9-11 happened, as you had said, Paul, Every airspace in the entire world closed. And there were a lot of planes in the Canadian airspace, and they couldn't go to America. And many were transatlantic, coming from Europe and coming from Britain. Now, the cool thing about Gander, Newfoundland is it is the last most easterly point of contact with air traffic control towers before they go to Heathrow, London. And Gander had the longest runway in North America during war because it was the farthest east that you could take off and go straight over way back in the day and get to Europe and not have to, you wouldn't be able to stop because it's your last point like to go, to go east. So all of these airplanes were in this Canadian airspace, they're radioing in. And so everyone got diverted to Gander Newfoundland. Wow. Okay. So then what happened? How how many, how many planes, by the way, do you know what the toll number I think it was 37 aircraft. Okay, so normally people would be like, oh, this sucks. I got diverted, but let's just go to the hotel. Let's just go stay at the local restaurant. We're hungry. Our bags, whatever. I'll just go to the store. (laughs) But obviously, when you have 37 planes doubling the size of your city, that obviously means there's probably not a lot there. Limited resources. What happened? The town had 6,000 people, I think was the population at okay. the time, six, somewhere between six and 10,000. Yeah. And actually my husband is the best one. I'm going to bring him to LashCon someday so that I can introduce you guys. Yeah. Yeah. His favorite story to tell is he, well, and we'll get to like the whole volunteering in the town literally had to shut down, but his favorite story to tell about 9-11 was he met this gentleman a few days after they're still stranded. And he says, I was in the air and we were approaching Gander. The captain said, we're landing. We're going to be approaching. We have to do an emergency there. And his wife said, well, geez, I've never heard of Gander. And he said, well, it must be big. Look at all the airplanes down there. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And it's because he saw all these jets lined up along the tarmac that had already landed before them. But you would never see that many aircraft in like this little tiny island. And so, yeah, the town doubled in size within 24 hours. So what did people do? They couldn't go to a hotel. There wasn't any infrastructure. What happened? For many people, here's the thing. They were landing in Canada. It was not the original route. 
these people were coming from all countries from all over the world. We didn't even have the infrastructure to check passports. Wow. And authenticate identity. And so for a while, they really, for a lack of better terms, they detained everybody and kept them on the aircraft. They couldn't exit for hours and hours. Like, I can't quite remember, but it was some of them were like 10 and 12 hours. Oh, those poor families. They couldn't step off and they were running out of food. People were like, give me liquor. Like, yeah. (laughs) It was pretty intense. There were animals on these aircraft. Oh, babies. In the cargo. There were babies. We're talking thousands and thousands of people stuck inside of an aircraft, and they weren't even told what had happened Oh, yet. really? So they just were on the tarmac, and they didn't have any clue? Correct. Wow. So then what happened? So then the Canadian Red Cross and safety organizations started to come together and create this emergency plan and they shut down the town and they closed all of the schools and they got cots and sleeping bags and every gymnasium, every classroom, every church became a hotel. Wow. And so they had to find a way to create a list for people to be able to contact and identify who you are. Think, guys, we didn't have cell phone technology like we have now. And we most certainly did not have good reception on this rocky island in the Atlantic back in 2001. So people were on landlines. There's actually photographs of landlines. They had a telephone company come in and wire telephone lines outside of a building, corded phones and seats just lined up outside of buildings so that people could call home and call New York and check in with their families. Okay. So, but I I also know that there were stories of people, just ordinary people welcoming strangers into their homes. We did. Yeah. There's a lot of people who did that. My mother-in-law, actually, she sewed quilts and sewed and sewed and sewed because we were so small and so limited with supplies. We're talking 6,000 people needed bedding, right? Like people needed diapers and all of these products. We emptied shelves of every pharmacy and gas station and Walmart and whatever you could. And people were donating all of their products. And we did, there were space ran out. So people took strangers in and families and put them in their spare rooms. And like long before Airbnb, we were doing Airbnb. (laughs) And they fed them and they cared for them. We did. We did. And so we're such a small island. Like I'm from a town that has 200 houses. So I know everybody and everybody knows everyone's name and it's very, very small. So people would say things to our, to the guests that we had in our homes. People would say like, can you go down to Gary's house and just get his barbecue? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and this is actually a story that you'll hear about if you watch the Come From Away musical. And he'll say, well, if I go take that man's barbecue, he's going to shoot me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't just go steal it. Like it's, He's like, no, it's Gary. It's fine. <laughs> Don't <laughs> just worry go about it. It was barbecue. a completely different custom. So did people say, oh, can we pay for this? Can we, how can we repay you for your kindness? Many, many tried and, and we just flatly refused. We were like, no, this is this is a matter of, of a worldwide emergency. This is we just want to make sure that you're okay and that you're safe and that eventually at some point we'll, we'll get you home. And so there's been many, I can't speak to them because my husband would know way more about like like what Gander does itself, but many people had rallied together and created foundations, scholarships. A really cool fun fact, Gander, Newfoundland is the only other place in the world that has a 9-11 memorial, and they donated a piece of steel from Ground Zero, and it's on display in Gander, Newfoundland. Oh, wow. There are people who actually, who were stranded there, who have gone and honeymooned there, have come back, have moved there, decided to retire and go there, open Mm. up businesses there. The SPCA is, is huge because they've rescued quite a few animals. In fact, they rescued animals they never had before. There was a monkey. There's a, <laughs> there was a monkey that got that landed in Newfoundland and they were all just like this this is like we're way up north. Like we don't see monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> on a jet. And there were so many animals and that's one of the things actually come from away is known for in like their press is they actually strongly encourage people to donate to the SPCA there in mm. in Newfoundland still. So oh. there's a lot of really cool foundations and giving and 
giving back. And there's even a story of a gentleman who was stranded and every year he's an American every year on nine 11, he closes his business and gives every employee $100. And he says, I want you to take the day off to find a way to go pay it forward the way that the Newfoundlanders did for me. Wow. That's so beautiful. Wow. That's awesome. It's amazing. Like, that is yeah. really cool. You also had a story that I think if I'm going to say it right, that the people who were stranded, they created a fund to help the new founders. And didn't they create a, a scholarship that your husband took part of? He didn't, but there's a lot of people who did avail from it and go on into aviation. So ironically enough, despite all of these events, Gander's always been known as like a little aviation town and a hub. It's got the tower and friends of ours are air traffic controllers and they have a college there for aviation. Mm -hmm. And so you can become a pilot and you can do a few other things. My husband went to school to be an AME, which is an aircraft maintenance engineer. So there is a fund and there's scholarships in which that can help facilitate all of those things. Now, my, my husband had an education fund. So he went on to become an aircraft maintenance engineer, which is basically like an airplane mechanic. And he Went to see Come From Away this year, and we were talking to some people. It was the first time we got to see it, and it was very weird. Yeah, <laughs> Here's a, like a whole musical about us and our culture. It was yeah. very strange. And he had said he was he is an AME because he lived this. Wow. He went to AV. He became an aircraft maintenance engineer. It's a way of giving back, and that's actually one of the things that makes me love my husband so much. That's one of the things that made me fall in love with him is the stories of 9-11. And he went on to work in aviation and mm -hmm. I'm an aviation wife and also from Newfoundland. So I'm very, very proud of that. And, uh, and now he actually works for a firefighting, aerial firefighting company. He's the chief engineer. So this is so well-rounded full circle for us, for him to be doing what he does, mm -hmm. living what we've lived. That is amazing. I I think that there's so many takeaways. One of them is just naturally like in your business, you say you mentor a lot of these estheticians and I know that you have like a little following. You've almost got like a little, you're, you're, you're a mentor. A cult leader. No, uh, no. <laughs> and I would have to say this probably a lot because of your culture and, and what was just modeled for you as a child. This is what you do when other human beings are in need which I think is um, amazing. And I just think it's such a wonderful story of human compassion and when we are at our best. So thank you for sharing that because it's incredibly inspirational. It's what Newfoundlanders are really, really known for. And it's so funny. Newfoundland has been getting, becoming more and more like on the map over the last few years. I don't know if you guys watched Jimmy Kimmel, but he also went to Newfoundland. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> And, and so, or he sent Guillermo and like Guillermo got taken into people's homes Okay. And, <laughs> and he's like visiting. He actually went to the hometown of Caitlin, Caitlin Elford, who owns Lost Artistry. Cause she's also from Newfoundland. So oh, um, I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't know he that. Was. She's not there now, right? She moved. Is she still? She moved to British Columbia. Yeah, that's what she's I thought. In she's in British Columbia. Okay, great. But she has also started in a small town in Newfoundland. Oh. Went on to, so we're really good friends. We connect that way because we're like, where, where else and what other industry would put two random Newfoundlanders together at like FlashCon and yeah. like all these crazy things? But Caitlin, yeah, she's from another town, which is also, you, you're going to have to ask her this sometime. Ask her to tell you the name of the town she she's from. Is it hard to pronounce? <laughs> nope. Oh, okay. Nope. It's, it's it's a taboo word. Oh, is oh, it? Oh, okay. It's okay. Word. Actually, I'll tell you just because it's fun, and you have to like interview it at some point. But the town Caitlin is from is called Dildo. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it is. It's a town. Town and of so Dildo. And so, of course, Jimmy Kimmel like took that and ran with it. It was like an ongoing thing. You can look it up on YouTube. It's really, really funny. But we're kind of getting on the map more and more for different things. Yeah, yeah. Lately, well, they'll dildos um, will do that for you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely do that. But yeah, no, we're known for things like all different kinds of things like that. And yeah. well, corner, tucked away in Canada. So we, we are known for taking people into our home still to this day. It's just our culture. And Tussin, you're absolutely right. My my dad owns a business over in Newfoundland and he just got like a rock star review from a woman visiting from Oregon or something that her car broke down and he helped her and he, she wrote this story about it. Like it, people are so amazed, but it's just what we do. Hospitality is in our blood. Do you guys lock your doors at night or when you no. leave the house? <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Absolutely not. Uh, that's so that's beautiful. So awesome. 
And you don't knock when you visit people. You really? You just walk no. in? Yeah. Oh my gosh, so strange. Oh my gosh. We have this tradition at Christmas called mummering. Okay. And so you dress up in, of course, this is an island that didn't have a lot of things. People were really poor. So you would dress up at Christmas in to camouflage yourself. Uh So people would wear like their oven mitts on their feet. They'd put pantyhose on their face. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, men would wear like the way, way back in the day, like in the 50s and 60s, they wear like their, their, wives bras they would stuff them yeah and so you would actually not go up and down streets and knock on each other's doors or not knock let yourself in and so the tradition is on the 23rd of december it's called tibbs eve you can look it up okay dress up as a mummer and you go to everyone's houses and people have to feed you liquor until they guess who you are So the better you disguise, the more you get the drink. So yes. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. The joke, the running joke, as it's evolved over the years, is it's the eve before the Christmas Eve, where you go out and celebrate with your friends before you have to go tolerate your family. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wait. So how do how do you do the mummers? Because if everyone's traveling outside, well, not everyone's doing. Obviously, some people some people stay home. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. Fun. it's a mummering thing. And there's even a song on YouTube called the Mummer Song about it. Like okay. it's a whole tradition. We're going to have awesome. to take a look at it. Yeah, I'm, I might start doing that. I might just start mummering around Christmas. Good reason. <laughs> walk in. Well, walk in. I want to get to a couple of things. I know yeah. the time is flying by here. But so tell me how the this mentoring other lash artists has evolved. And I know that you have some challenges in terms of like the products you can and cannot get. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So in 2021, it's when I started to notice ads popping up, local Facebook beauty recommendation groups, marketplace of local artists and saying, hey, I'm new to town, looking to build clientele. They'd have these promotions. And you could tell right away that it's somebody who's a newcomer because you're like, "Uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh-oh, this person doesn't know that there's some laws and rules they have to follow. And, And we also have a database. So you can look up a business or a practitioner to make sure that they're compliant uh-huh, in yeah, our okay. province. Yeah. You yeah. Can do that here in California. You can, yeah. you can validate them. So you can like, okay, go look them up and be like, oh no, like somebody's really got to let them know, like they got to go get their license before they get in trouble because you could end up with court and fines. You have to be careful. And then that, that even did happen. I watched somebody go through the courts just a few months ago, lost. It was unfortunate. But, yeah. And a lot of them are people who are just looking to get started and they start in their homes. And there's a whole other set of rules for doing it out of your home. You can't just have a salon or spa in your home. So I would reach out and say, hey, I'm also a local lash artist. Welcome to New Brunswick. Welcome to Fredericton. Are you aware of our licensing body? And every time it was no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, okay, great. So here's what we have and here's what's required. I don't know if you've reached out or if they're going to reach out to you soon, but you should be aware that there is a licensing body and you might want to get your, your paperwork or things together for, for when that happens. There's been a couple of times where they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm six times certified. I've trained with this, this, as long as you can prove it. And you can show like you've had clients or you can even get like an affidavit signed by a couple of clients and like references from your other province. Like there really are a few different ways that you can safeguard yourself before you go down that path of getting a slap on the wrist. You want to make sure you're doing it properly. So I just say like gather your facts, make sure you're getting everything in ready and organized to get licensed so that you can continue to do what you want to do. In the mentorship, sometimes it means I have to connect them with somebody else within my network to train, upgrade, do hours or apprentice or job shadow. It really comes down to the decision of the licensing and examination body. Yeah. Are people generally receptive or are they kind of like, who are you? Why should I listen to you? I don't care. Leave me alone. You know what? I have to be honest and say it's like a easy 50 50 more often than not i met with a defensiveness of what yeah (laughs) because and most of them again everyone migrated from west to here 
where there's no licensing body. And they're like, I've never heard of anything like this before. What mm. the hell? Why would somebody tell me how to run my business? Blah, 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 blah. You know what I yeah. mean? And so I'm just like, it's not that they're telling you how to run your business. The The mission and vision of a, an association is to protect the public first. Exactly. Yeah. And it's the same as of any medical licensing body or college or society they have to protect the public and make sure doctors are doing things within their scope of practice and doing it properly and safely. And it's really no different for us, especially if we teeter on that fine line of procedure and service. You have to be very careful too. And just make sure you've got all your ducks in a row. Yeah. Once there was a gal that moved into the building when we had the salon and she just opened a small little space down the hall from us. And she was in a room and I introduced myself and we were chit-chatting and I gave her some helpful tips because I in terms of she got inspected. And I just told her that all of the businesses in our building, we had a system that if we got inspected by a state board, we would call the other ones just to let them know. Just text them. Yeah, Yeah, just text them. And I just offered that to her. And then I just said, oh, hey, there's just a couple of things that I'd love you to, to be aware of. You could get fined for this, this, and this, and this. And she was so offended. Yes. And then she accused me. She got inspected. She got inspected that year later. Several months later, she got fined by the health department. And she's like, you reported me. I said, I absolutely did not. I'm so sorry. The reason why I told yeah, I. We told you this. So if that did happen, you would be aware. But people do get defensive. So defensive. And I always worry, like I I was scared too to reach out to people because I was like, I don't want people to think I'm intentionally trying to invoke fear or stir a pot or anything. But I've seen it happen enough now and see it go to court. The thing is, is if you get to a point where you go to court, the association has the right to publish that you are not a licensed regulated Mm, salon and, and then you're tarnishing your name. You haven't even gotten off the ground yet. And people are like, oh, it's none of their business. I'm going to run my business. Who are you to tell me how to have a career and do what I want to do? And I think that if, if you just took the time to just, just give them the paperwork, really, that's what it is. It's a formality. And we want to know that you know what you're doing safely. That's all that matters. And what happened with the poor gal that ended up ultimately going to court was when these people get defensive, they take to social media. And really, again, like I always worry too with mentoring, if, if they're going to come back to me and say the exact same thing to us, oh, you reported me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you put a target on your back by taking to social media and airing out your thoughts and feelings and frustrations. If you could just take all of that energy and put it into the commitment of getting that license, you would be okay. And that was my worry for a lot of the newcomers was just shift your focus, find a solution, and then you can move forward. And I... I've watched a lot of people come at it the wrong way. I I think part of the thing is that people don't have to think about a different way with why would someone who doesn't know you reach out and say, I want to point out and say, you need some help. I mean, like you gain nothing from this, Sam, right? This is not like you get checks from the government saying, Hey, can you just be a a scout for us and help us find people? You're just doing it. Yeah. This is not the goodness of your heart. You're just saying, I just want to make sure people are doing okay. And that they're aware of these things. Because you got this very giving nature. And if people understood that they shouldn't be defensive, the natural reaction should be much more like, wow, why would she do this? I guess because she really cares about me. That's, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. We care about the industry. Yeah. And I want everyone to feel welcome and included. Yeah. The first time I was doing this on my own, I got inspected and there was a couple of things that I was out of compliance with, but I got everything together. I was just trying to prevent that from happening to her. And like you said, you can check on the database to see if people have the license or not. And I had done yep. that with this gal and she says, well, how do you even know that I'm not in compliance? I said, well, you check the database. You're spying on me. You're going behind my back. She's like, this is why I left the salon because I don't need catty people like you like spying on me and trying to get in my business. I said, I'm so sorry. We got off on the wrong foot. I sent her a a Starbucks gift card and I explained I didn't mean to raise her ire. Things worked out because eventually she gave us keys to her salon. So in case there was ever an emergency, we could go into her space and help her. But at first it was this irritation from her. And And I will say, I mean, I was talking to another person in their industry who and this said that they had noticed that they knew some people that were out of compliance in California and they got reported. And they said that seems to be a unique thing 
for California or for or the salon space. Like if you're out of compliance, there seems to be this need to report people to authorities that get you in trouble. And so that does happen in our industry. It's not like it's what out of the blue, like when did would this ever happen? No, there are some people who feel like it's their duty to, I don't know, maybe they're trying to eliminate their competition. They're like, oh, I know if I just report them, I'll get into trouble and they'll leave. I feel like they have a very scarce mindset. Like I don't believe there's enough people in their industry um, or enough. There's too many people in our industry, so they find ways. But that said, I think in your case, I know for us, there are also a lot of people who are just trying to watch out for the better for clients I in their agree. industry. So, And it's not like, you're right, there are people who can report, same thing here, but they're smart enough to know, okay, is this malicious? Are you creating something intentionally? And so if you're going to send in a report, it's like, who when, what happened, like they want a legitimate factual reason to check into something. They're not going to just take like these random, Hey, look at this business. They're not in compliance. Cause I have also just like just been found a non-compliant for one thing. Once I got inspected my first year and it was because one of our bylaws is that our towels have to be in a cabinet. Yep. Yeah. They can't sit on top of a, nope. a, a counter. They needed to be enclosed. And so the woman came and she's like, can you just show me like a cabinet and can you put the towels in there so I can just mark that as like fixed. And, and it was great. Like they're willing to work with you. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what thing. happened to me. You shouldn't yeah. be intimidated. You shouldn't be fearful. And honestly, Paul, like you don't even need to go out of your way to report. Cause I don't know if it's the same with you guys, but we have private shoppers and investigators too. Oh no, we don't really have that. You don't even need to have an inspection for something like this to pop up or red flag you or whatever. I'm actually really impressed with that. I'm impressed with your government and their their level of commitment because they really do seem to have a vested interest in protecting the safeguarding the public. So that's, I think that's fabulous. I wish that we had that here. Yeah, no, we don't get that. Yeah, it does, <laughs> they're understaffed. In fact, the inspectors actually aren't part of the Board of Barbering and Cosmetology. They're part of the Department of Justice. And oftentimes they don't know. I mean, they know what the laws are, but yeah, they're not. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But it's unique that if you're part of the Department of Justice, you're doing it justifiably, right? Yeah. But again, you don't know enough about the industry. So it's like, how do you decipher what's right and wrong in the situation? Oh, yeah. We had someone come into our place who was inspecting. Oh, and she and was just she like was a like, chip on her shoulder. She, she walked in yeah, with this, oh, almost yeah. like an imaginary gun on the side of her hips and like and, flashing everybody. Yeah. And she basically is like, OK, I need to see everyone's license. And we got everyone's license. And she looked and goes, oh, so you know that. Only cosmetologists are allowed to do I lashes. I said, no, ma'am. I said, here's the document from the state of California. It says estheticians can do it too. And she's like, oh, she didn't. No, no, she didn't believe it. She had to call her office and have them. And we waited like for a half hour. Well, they had to go through their records and, and verify what we showed them ourselves. That yes, estheticians can do lashes in the state of California. And that just shows you how broken the system is out here. But do you guys get notice? If something changes like that, or do you get like, okay, so we actually do, we get an annual general meeting, an AGM, where we can vote for change of our bylaws and our policies. But if we update those, it's not necessarily that an inspector would also like know about the changes all all the time. But no, we actually get to vote every single year. That's really cool. Nice. Everyone's entitled to participate in the barbering meetings. And there's always a time given. They're extremely structured and very formal. And very boring. They're pretty boring. <laughs> oh, my. There's really not a lot that you. There's even, no personality. Even, even if thing. you put your thoughts out there, the board is not allowed to comment on your co- comments. They just it's part of the record. But it's almost like you can be speaking until you're blue in the face. And, and the onus is on the individual to keep posted about what's happening with bylaws that change. So you're supposed to go on the board of barbering and cosmetology in your state and keep posted. They'll tell you what changes are, but they don't necessarily tell you. you, you yeah. It's on okay. you. To I mean, you can sign up for the email and I do. So I get the updates, but you had to be proactive. It doesn't just happen. I actually think they could make ASMR actually out of these meetings where you just listen to them talk and it just puts you to sleep. Yeah, like, it kind of is. Because they are the most... They just talk and it's like they just are all half asleep already when they get these meetings. Well, I, I anyway, really, let's get the last thing because I'm looking at time and I know you wanted to bring up the last thing here. I you, you, get, you sent me a question about hypochlorous acid and I know I that. Did. Yes. So let's talk first about what hypochlorous acid is. It is uh, a, a bio constituent of the skin. Our bodies, our bodies produce hypochlorous acid in our cells. It's one of the features of our immune system. It's what internally kills bacteria and viruses. Hypochlorous acid is 
it sounds really caustic and like a chemical. It's not to be confused with hydrochloric acid, which can burn your skin and your tissues. The hypochlorous acid, it has a bleachy smell, but it completely breaks mm-hmm. down into saline solution and it's completely non-toxic. It's what you go on Amazon and you type in hypochlorous acid high chair cleaner. And it's a daily surface cleaner. You, It's marketed for babies and pacifiers and bibs and, and play tables because it's you can directly ingest it and it's safe. It can go into the eyes. It can go into your humidifier. It can clean the hu- humidifier. And it can, what I love about it is that it really can clean the eyelash area, especially if somebody comes in and they are encrusted with an oily kind of blepharitis. There are four different kinds of blepharitis. One of them is a staph heavy, it's like a staph infection, and it's the staph bacteria feed on that crust. If you use hypochlorous acid on that kind of blepharitis, it it cures it, it because it kills the bacteria. And so you can spend like $20, $17 to $20 on one ounce bottle of hypochlorous acid that's specifically marketed towards the eye. Or you can spend $17 on two 23-fluid ounce bottles of Clean Smart brand high chair. And part of it's like, oh my gosh, it says daily surface cleaner throughout the kitchen and home. It looks like a product that you would clean your bathroom with. Is that okay to put on the eye? And it is. If you look at the ingredients, it says active ingredients, hypochlorous acid, and it's usually 0.0117%. And other ingredients, 999 percent and the total is 100 percent you're like oh but it's got other things in it it actually it it doesn't the other ingredients is like the water the water the hypochlorous acid like the bottle like it looks intimidating it does it does it does look intimidating it smells a little bit like bleachy but it is it is safe it kills cold flu it's just go for the one that says the high chair one because it's safe for bibs and it's safe for babies and it's non-toxic and and you can spray it right in your eye right you can you can spray it right in your eye you can spray it right in your mouth not to be confused with the message of if johnson's is safe for babies it's safe for eyes that's right different that's right it's hyperchlorous (laughs) if it really bothers you just spend the 17 dollars on the one little bottle. The other thing that you can do is you can make it yourself. Basically, it's just it's vinegar and water that has been electrified. It, it has the the current has been passed through it, so it charges the molecules. But I think we okay. would we would probably stay away from making your well, own. Well, you can make it. Is we have a maker, but the thing is that that expires because it doesn't stay the it doesn't say it electrical electrified. But yeah, the commercially prepared one does not because it's okay. got the other chemicals in it because it's been treated a certain way. It's so, with magic. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so that I hope that answers your question about that. Hyperchlorous acid is amazing. It does. And I, I had struggled for some time, which is something we talked about in New York, where the two things, there were two or three things that I've been trying to get and find yes. here in Canada. Because when I went to LashCon in 2021, I saw Dr. Warren Stout talk and he had talked about hypochlorous acid. He talked about OcuSoft and he talked about the refresh mm-hmm. hydrating, lubricating drops. And so I was like, great, I'm going to go buy all these things. And I came back to Canada and I found none of it. <laughs> oh, wow. And then for a while, it was almost like, okay, I can't do it. And some time had passed. And then I came back to LashCon last year and Dr. Warren Stout and then Dr. Is it? Uh, Kierkoff. 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 Kierkoff had come down and she was amazing talking about contact dermatitis. I loved it because that's my language mm-hmm. from my medical days. And so I came back to Canada. And I'm like, yep, I'm going to look for it again. Well, gosh darn, I couldn't find a single thing. And I actually was scared. I, I don't know if this is common where if you've heard other people say, well, I'm not putting drops in people's eyes. I'm not putting acid on people's skin. Like I was, I really avoided it for a while, but I, I understood the education and what was being said. And it didn't occur to me how beneficial these specific products were until I took your class. <laughs> that yeah. was my aha moment because here I was under the direction of you teaching and you were physically showing and modeling like this is how we administer a drop. We're just going to keep the eye happy. And here's, and then also hearing it explained of here's what it does. Mm-hmm. But what really was that mind blowing aha moment for me was Physically using those drops in the service. We're talking about a rewetting drop. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing the result. And tell me what that was. The eye, typically when you are lashing, I find that the sclera looks 
rigid. Yeah. It's almost like, rigid. You in can a way. see the veins. You can see the side view of the veins. You can the texture of the eyeball. Exactly. When you're looking on the side and you're checking, you're looking for the, to make sure that margin is closed. And when you were teaching class, you're saying to everyone, well, you're going to lash with the eye partially open. And I remember sitting there thinking, I'm what? (laughs) I can't. This is just not good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, there is no way I'm going to lash somebody with their eye partially Partially open. open. Yeah. That sounded terrifying, but I was like, okay, I've been eight years lashing. I'm confident in my skill. My dexterity is great. I'm going to go with it. So I did. I did what you said. I put those drops in. And when I removed the pads and I did my saline rinse, I looked at the eyes and they were plump. That, that, that's the best way to explain it. Plump, hydrated. There was no ridges yeah. and there was no redness. There was no quote unquote, as they say, signs of a chemical burn, which right. we know is not what we're seeing. Right. But I was mind blown. So when I got back to Canada in May, I thought I have to find something. <laughs> there has to be something available. After hearing you guys sing the praises to all these incredible products, what can I do? So then I've been thinking a lot lately and started growing my business to talk about the mentorship and the teaching and everything else I do on the side. I thought there are so many people like me listening to so many of your of the incredible podcasts for lashing in the States. They're listening to you. They're listening to Shelby. They're listening to Teamlicious. And they're, they're listening to so many incredible people to talk about all of these things that we just don't have access to. So I created a new Instagram so that I could start sharing my findings in Canada. And with hypochlorous acid, that was a really hard thing to find. And just today, I got approved. I found two suppliers, only two in all of Canada that we can get those products from. Crazy. And it's so weird because they're so incredibly safe. That's the other thing. It sounds horrible, but they're extremely safe. And the drops... I couldn't find those for the first year. We could get the bottles, like the big, big bottles, but I really wanted those single individual packets so that I could even send one home or for people to try. And it's only been this year, like in 2023, that I've seen them at local pharmacies. You can even get them at Walmart, that you can get the singles now, which is so nice. And that is like on every station in the spa already. I came back, like hit the ground running. Every team member, here you go. We do this now. Yeah. I love it. It's fantastic. It's like a little insurance plan. Well, I think we should probably wrap because I realize we've gone over an hour. But that said, because of this new page, I would like, especially for our Canadian audience, to know where to go because I think what you're doing is going to be a great service to help people uh, and all that. So hopefully you'll get some followers through this and that they'll start going to you because you're doing kind of the, the legwork that we can't do because we don't know your region and they can come to you and look. So where can they find you as far as this new page to find information to help them implement things that are really unique, I guess, to the Canadian experience? It's that Canadian lash artist. And I'm going to be sharing the tips and the tricks and the things that are very unique to us, maybe my region, suppliers, products, tools. I also get to go, as you know, like I wrote in the email to Paul at LashCon, I got exposed to so many things that we also don't have access to. So when I'm mentoring now and I'm teaching, what I've been doing this past two years is students come to me and they'll try every tweezer and lash and product that I got from LashCon to find the right fit for them. So amazing. So that's why I also keep the drops. I keep the OcuSoft wipes. I have the hypochlorous acid. And I say like, oh, they're like, I'm really struggling. My clients are always having red eyes. And I say, come on in with me for an hour. I want you to try this. So amazing. I'm really struggling. Like, for example, I had a student who was struggling to make her own fans. She really only wanted to do handmade. She didn't want to do promades. And she came in and the tweezer that suited her the best was from Lash Bomb. And she would never have tried that or shipped it in all the way from the United States but she found the right fit because she came in to try everything we got from LashCon. So that's one of the things I love about the swag bag is it's opened up a door for us here to explore and try all these new things. And that's what that Canadian lash artist is going to be about is connecting you to find what you need. And she's going to be back again this year. See, and you're VIP, I know. So you'll be getting another amazing swag bag. So I will. <laughs> you know what might be neat? I know we have to wrap up. I've got a client that's going to walk through the store any yeah, minute. Yeah. But maybe you should have like a time at LashCon to do a Canada meetup. I wrote that. And that was one of my time capsule things. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
That's fantastic. Oh, I oh sorry. We're going to have to talk about this afterwards. We got to wrap it up. Okay. I love you so much. Weekend. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we'll be in coming. Vegas. Oh yeah. my gosh, Sam. We'll I'm so excited to hang we'll out with you. Vegas. You guys should learn about Sam. She's an advocate for our industry. I'm a total fan of hers. And we'd love to have you back on this podcast. I'd love to continue to get to know you better. I would love that. And anywhere else they can find you? Because I realized we gave you that Canadian our spa is called Beauty Prodigy. Yep. So Beauty Prodigy Day Spa on Instagram. And then I do have my personal one, which is more about travel, which is Samantha Beauty Prodigy. So I have three Instagrams. You awesome. Can find me anywhere. Message me anytime. Very, very cool. Well, thanks so much, Sam. It's been awesome having you on. And we'll see you this weekend as well as LashCon and hopefully maybe a Lashy Award winner three times. We'll see what happens. We'll see. <laughs> thanks so much, guys. It was a pleasure to see you. Hey guys, I'm sorry, but we are done. We are out of here. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at LashCast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. On behalf of my Lash Maple Tusney, as well as our special guest, Sam, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing. And remember, you have a friend in the lash industry. Lash Conference.